as we give thanks to God for his word, I invite you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, This is the last chapter in the book of Hebrews, and we started at the beginning, and we've made it all the way through the entire book of Hebrews, one that is usually less read, less familiar to us in its wording than some of the Apostle Paul's letters. And I want to say I've really enjoyed preaching on Hebrews, and I mean, also after 13 chapters, I'm kind of sick of it, like I'm ready for something different, honestly. But let's not rush past what this final chapter has to offer in terms of the way it closes, we should always pay attention to what are the things that if you were writing a letter to a group of people that you loved and cared about, you're like, I can't send this letter without at least mentioning this thing that I can't get into. If you think the book of Hebrews is long, we're gonna hear a word today where the author says, but really I've written to you quite briefly. I don't think this is a brief letter. But also where we're going to start and put most of our focus today, we need to hear the rest of it for context. Where we're going to start, though, is the focal point in the beginning of the chapter 13 on hospitality. So Hebrews 13 is kind of like our door as we're closing the door on one sermon series as we've gone through the book of Hebrews, and we're opening a door into the next series on hospitality, something that, as a word, might be familiar. Maybe it's exciting. Maybe it feels like a buzzword. But where we need to go is back to Scripture to define and encourage us in what exactly do we mean by hospitality. So as we turn to God's word, as we finish Hebrews 13, as we move into a series on hospitality, we do all of this before we partake of the Lord's Supper together, but all of this, as our students demonstrated for us, is surrounded in prayer. So will you take a moment, let's pray together for God's blessing upon the word. God, in hospitality, we make a little bit of room in our homes, in our lives, in our schedules, or in our priorities, hospitality is about making a little bit of room. So Lord, we pray that now our hearts may be hospitable to your word, that we may make room for your spirit to move, to speak to us, that you speak to us today, that we might be both hospitable hosts of what you would say to us, and also hospitable guests knowing that you and you alone are the Lord of hosts. So as we put ourselves at your feet as guests, teach us. And as we make room, as we have a little bit of hospitality in our hearts, speak to us in our hearts. All of this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning at verse 1 all the way to the very end. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come, to him, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you want to get good at something, you got to learn from the best. It is just true. If you want to get good at something, you got to learn from the best. You've got to play with or against people who are just a little bit better than you. You've got to find people and coaches who will invest in you and share some of the things that they have already learned. If you want to get good, you got to learn from the best. And if you want to be good at something, if you want to be the teacher, first you've got to be a student. If you want to be the master, first you've got to be the servant. And if you, in terms of hospitality, want to be the host, first we have to learn how to be a guest. If you want to get good at something, you got to learn from the best. And so if we're going to use Hebrews as a launch point to talk about hospitality, if we want to be people who are good at hospitality and understand what Scripture means and the call that it gives us about hospitality, we have to learn from the best. And this is not a trick question. The Sunday school answer suffices. Who is the best that we could possibly learn from? Jesus! If we want to be good at something, we need to learn from the best. And in this case, if it's about hospitality, we need to learn from Jesus. If hospitality is about making room in our homes, in our lives, in our schedules, in our priorities, to know that Christ made room for us, that 
our salvation could be such a priority that the gospel message of him dying for us and rising again could be the central priority. Jesus seemed to make a lot of room for us. And as we go into the next few weeks, we'll learn from Jesus. And when you can't learn from the best of the best, then you can still benefit from learning from their understudies. And so consider that sometimes, as we read through Scripture, we're going to learn from the successes and failures of those who tried to seek a hospitable presence, who tried to put this on. Some succeeded, some faltered. In that case, we're learning from Jesus' understudies. But ultimately, we want to learn from Jesus. If we want to be hospitable people in the world, if we want to learn how to be hosts and guests, we've got to learn that from Jesus. If you really want to get good at something, you've got to learn it from the best. And there's a motivation here in Hebrews that sets itself apart from other motivations and other ways that hospitality was framed in other religions in the days when Hebrews was sent out in other cultural understandings of hospitality. Hebrews appeals to that universal part of our human nature that is lovingly abbreviated FOMO, fear of missing out. If you're familiar with the term, great. If not, you learn something new, as the kids say, although I don't even know if kids say that anymore. Jake, you're going to be my translator for this. But FOMO, fear of missing out. Hebrews paints a picture of hospitality as a positive, not a negative that if you don't do this, you will be punished. There's other stuff that there's threats of punishment and God's judgment. But in the terms that Hebrews talks about hospitality, this is a fear of missing out motivation. This is not, if you don't be hospitable, you will be punished. This is, if you don't practice hospitality, you might miss out. You might miss out on events and guests that might change your life because part of being a host of hospitality is that you will be blessed and your life will be enriched by the guests that you have made just a little bit of room for. Fear of missing out. And so that peculiar wording about do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for some have hosted angels without their knowing. Anybody say, oh, I want to skip that. I want to miss out on that. No. Our fear of missing out is awoken in us because we don't want to miss out on that kind of life-changing interaction. Hebrews as a book, if you know nothing else of it, if this is your first time here hearing it today, know that Hebrews talks about the Old Testament a lot, and the Old Testament is always on the mind of the author of Hebrews. And we can think back to Abram and Sarai underneath the oaks at Mamre, and they were practiced in hospitality. And so when three visitors showed up, they were eager and ready to host them. At what point did they figure out that these are God's messengers? At what point are they hosting God's presence? We don't know exactly when that light bulb clicked. But we know that regardless of who they were or who Abram and Sarai, before being renamed Abraham and Sarah, they were ready to host these people because it was their practice. North Holland, as we think about hospitality, I hope a little bit of our fear of missing out does get stirred up in a healthy way that we don't want to miss out on opportunities where showing hospitality might have blessed us. Where making a little bit of room, as hard as that can be, with our busyness, with our lives, that it could be enriching. Making room in your home, making room maybe with a spare bedroom 
or a seat at the table, making room in our schedules, which are full, or making room in our priority list. We will be enriched when we make a little bit of room, and to see what God does with that is also an exercise of faith and trust. But where does it start? We don't get to jump to hospitality and say, well, now we're the experts in hosting. Hospitality starts in Hebrews 13:1 with keep on loving one another. As brothers and sisters, keep on loving one another. Where maybe the goal of living into hospitality is the next verse. Where we start is keep on doing what you're doing with an assumption that we are all actually doing that. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Because if we want to show hospitality to strangers, we have to first practice well showing hospitality to our friends. If we want to project a message and witness that as Jesus loves us, we want to love the world, we need to be sincere and authentic in the fact that we actually love one another. Otherwise, the world will sniff out our authenticity in a heartbeat and will be like, you want to show love to us? You all don't even love each other. Keep on doing the good that you are doing. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. It is an encouragement that begins a greater exhortation. And so North Holland, keep on loving one another to grow into hospitality. And this is a pretty simple starting point. We'll keep it basic this week. But basic truths can have layers of nuance and challenge to them. And if we're going to love one another, if we want to get really good at loving one another, well, how do you get good at something? You've got to learn from the best. And who's the best? Jesus. Keep on loving one another. In a few weeks, we'll have the baptismal font not here where you can pass by it on your way up to communion to remember your baptism. In a few weeks, we'll celebrate the baptism of Charlotte Vandenbosch, and we will hear those precious words again, we love because Christ first loved us. If we want to love one another, we've got to learn from the best. And we love because Christ first loved us. We learn how to love ourselves so that we can love our neighbor as ourself. We learn how to love our friends. We learn how to love strangers by learning it from Jesus first. And once we get that into practice, and it's always practice, there's never perfection where we're done learning, done growing in anything. But rather, once it's in practice that we're loving one another, keep on loving one another, and also, don't forget to show hospitality to others. Meaning, the step that we have of loving one another, people that we're safe, familiar with, hospitality is extending that love to strangers, to those that you don't know. And knowing, as my father would say, sometimes strangers are really, really strange. Sometimes not so much. But sometimes the strangers are strange, and it's hard to make room. For those that are just a little bit too different, a little too strange of strangers for us. But things aren't always at they, as things are not always what they seem. And so if we keep on loving one another, as if we can grow into hospitality, showing it to strangers, we just might encounter angels without even knowing it. Not that that's somehow our singular goal, but rather that it is a blessing to be enriched by those whom we make a little bit of room for. And before we put up any guard against, well, 
I don't know exactly how I want to negotiate hospitality. Before we start using things of today to draw lines of, well, anybody's welcome, but I don't know where that line needs to get drawn. Before we go to any of that, we need to take a step back and say, Jesus, you're the best at this. Teach us how. That Jesus loves us. That Jesus knows what it is to be a guest and sometimes an unwelcome guest. A guest that maybe had an obligated invite. And Jesus also knows what it is to host. And today as we approach Christ's table, as we receive Christ as our host, that we are guests at the table of communion, we also keep in mind that it's a shared table. Verse 3, continue to remember those in prison and as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. There's the neighbors that we know, that we love, our brothers and sisters. There's the strangers that we can show hospitality to. And then there's those who we might not ever meet, but our lens of God's love has a global empathy to it. That today we know that we can look around and say, okay, we're a church in, um, in Michigan, in the United States. That says some things about us about the bread that we take, about the type of juice that we use. It says something about how we gather and the rhythm of it and the building that we have with all of its history and beauty. And also, we think about how we came here, not worrying about who might follow us or catch us being here. On World Communion Sunday, we should also be keeping in mind those who will also celebrate communion, but much more secretly, not on a live stream, not out in the open, but in-house churches somewhat hidden, not because they're ashamed of Jesus, but because they need to be able to keep sharing the gospel with others. To think of house churches in places that are not friendly to Jesus, where there too, our brothers and sisters will partake of the bread and of the cup. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. We keep all of them in mind that hospitality sometimes has to be making room in our hearts for the things that are hard to think about hard for us to fathom or imagine, and honestly, we have enough privilege that we don't have to worry about it, but that hospitality can be making a little bit of room in our hearts today, that as you come forward for communion or receive it in your seat, you give thanks to God for it, and that we pray for our brothers and sisters who don't worship so openly, who didn't come so easily, and we give thanks for them. We think of the songs of praise that we sing and with all hospitality that we could learn from everyone around the globe. What is their worship like? Where are the places that they gather? In big buildings like this or in mud huts or out in the open or secretly in a basement? In all of this, we keep in mind, as Hebrews tells us, the next extension of our hospitality is that thinking of those who are mistreated, remembering them as if we ourselves were suffering in the same ways. Hospitality is about learning to put on the love of Christ in action with those whom we regularly interact with, with the strangers along the way, and, well, with the world over. Now, if we're going to learn from the best, we might get good at something. And why we need to make sure that we learn from Jesus is that sometimes others in earth don't want to share their trade secrets. Sometimes we want to learn from the best, but the best aren't quite willing to share with us. I'm going to not name this particular person, but I will say a grandparent on not my side of the family, but somebody else's, has these renowned brownies that she makes. 
and it has been discovered that we want to learn from the best. We want to make brownies like that particular grandmother. And you know what? She'll share the recipe, but she's been caught actually not sharing the same recipe with different people. They differ over time. Whether that's on purpose or whether that's on accident, that's the debatable part. But if we really want to get good at something, we want to learn from the best. And when we say, Jesus, I want to learn to love like you. I want to have the hospitality and presence that I see in your disciples. I want to take the best of what I see in the Old and New Testament of God's people living out a life of Christian love in faith and hospitality. I want to do that well. Jesus is eager to say, let me teach you. Let me show you my ways. Let me give you some of the examples from my understudies throughout Scripture. And Jesus is happy to share and teach us how we can be loving and hospitable. How we can maybe not worry quite as much up front on where we're going to draw the line or how it's going to change us. But we can first say, help me to love you, O Lord, and love my neighbor as myself. Jesus is an eager teacher. There's no ego or threat to Jesus if we want to learn to be more like him. There is a willingness to share, to teach, instruct, encourage, to build up. To me, that sounds like the ideal situation. We all have all kinds of things and areas where we can grow. We can learn from the best. And there's some things that we're not going to learn from Jesus if Jesus didn't teach us them. There's ways of being in the world that Jesus did not teach us, did not show us, and we're not going to learn that from Jesus. So part of hospitality is making sure we're making the right room and priorities that we want to learn to live and love like Jesus. Might we show hospitality to some angels along the way without knowing it? Maybe. And it might be true that we just didn't know it. Does this mean that you have to pick up every hitchhiker that you see? Nope. Wouldn't recommend it, though been there, done that, sometimes kind of fun. Make a little bit of room. Sometimes really scary, actually, too. So, hospitality is about making just a little bit of room. And if we want to get good at this, we have to learn from Jesus. And we have to remember that we are understudies in this work. We are learning from the best, but we're not the best. And if you think you're the best, you're either crazy or lying. But rather, we want to learn well. We want to be careful about what we learn. And also, we want to make sure that what we're trying to learn from Jesus is not just a matter of effort, but it is a spiritual discipline of living more like Jesus. And that there's some things that we can learn about Jesus that we can't do. For instance, we cannot die for someone else's sins. We can share salvation, but we are not salvation. We can share the good news. We can make room. We can give credit to the source by which we learned to love both our neighbors and our strangers in our world. We can learn it from Jesus. But we are not saviors. You can die. You cannot die for someone's sins. Only Jesus did that. The centrality of the gospel is this, that Jesus died for our sins and rose again for our salvation. That is not something we can do. You can't save someone else. Only Jesus can do that. But isn't hospitality the practice of making a little bit of room where you might have opportunity to share exactly that with someone? If we want to be good at something, we've got to learn from the best. If we want to be a host, we have to learn to be a guest. 
A master must first become a student. And we have to admit that we have something to learn. If we go into the next few weeks on hospitality, or if we read the first three verses of Hebrews 13 and say, check, got it, already know what I'm doing there, I love my neighbor and I show hospitality, then our proverbial cup is already too full for us to learn anything new. And I love those who have lived a life of faith and have so much to offer and so much to invest in others, and they have a growth mindset in their own faith that they're still learning, they're still growing, they're still understanding even better every day who God is. So, my friends, I would invite you as we come forward to communion where the cup is full for you to receive to also remember to just empty your cup a little bit what you know, what you're already good at, and to say, Jesus, I've still got room to learn, especially if you, O Lord, will be my teacher. As Hebrews verse 7, 13, 7 says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Meaning, Jesus, give me some people that I can learn from in my life, that I can imitate, as long as what we're all about together is pointing our lives back to you. And then we're given the reminder that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Friends, it's a simple message to make some room to be ready to learn so that we can make room for someone else. And you can decide at this stage of life, is it your schedule? Is it your home? Is it your priority list? Where is the spot that's hardest to make room and maybe we hear that, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters, and we say, I'm maybe not in a rhythm of doing that right now. This is where we come to learn. And we'll close with this benediction. But we might want to hear it now as we think about hospitality and learning and growing and the challenges of trying to live a little bit more like Jesus, of saying, God, help me make room so that I can be attuned to your Holy Spirit so that I can live the way you intend for me to live. The benediction you catch it? There's almost two of them. There's an amen, and then it's like, oh, I just got one more thing to say. Chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, that's who, and now the what, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus longs to equip us to do the things that are pleasing to his will. Keep on loving one another and let Jesus equip you. Meaning, if there's a word of assurance that we go into this work with, how do we love well? How do we be hospitable people? It's to remember that Christ longs to be at work within us. That Jesus sees that there is room for you to learn and grow, that Jesus sees that there is room for you at his feet. Remembering that regardless of our age, we are all God's children, and when so many people wanted to shuffle the kids away, Jesus said, no, no, let them come near to me. Jesus has a place for you and is excited for you to learn maybe what's one thing over the next month, over the next two months, to learn to make just a little bit more room for someone else. Over the summer, it was advised to me, we should talk about how to deal with our families before Thanksgiving and Christmas roll around. Maybe part of hospitality is learning to make just that same type of room so that we can truly love our brothers and sisters, 
even those who we might think we're just learning to put up with. That also is true. But friends, let's not jump ahead. Let's not think our cup is already full. If you want to be good at something, you've got to learn from the best. And just for repetition's sake, who is the best again? And before we think that we are automatically the hosts every time, if we want to learn to be hosts of hospitality, we first have to learn to be guests. And there's no better place for us to start this with than the practice of coming together for communion. Because we, none of us in this room, are the hosts of this table. Christ alone is the host. Yep, Caitlin and Stephen, they're the ministers who can go through the liturgy, that's great. We're understudies at best. One of us, more studious than other. The elders will serve the elements. They're the understudies of Jesus who are offering not their own body and blood, but offering the body and blood of Jesus Christ as this tangible reminder to say Jesus made room for you and that he wants you here to partake and to participate and to get a reminder that Jesus died for you to receive the body and the blood, not from the elders, not from the ministers, but from Christ himself with their understudies as a way of sub-hosting for the true host. So friends, as we come to this table today, as we all learn to be good hosts and guests, we first come as guests to the table of the Lord of hosts. And we remember that Christ came into this world, that he lived for us, he died for us, and he rose again for us. This is a feast of remembrance of the perfect life that our Lord and Savior lived for us. For us he lived, for us he died. And all of this he did before we knew anything of it because we love, because Christ first loved us. We remember Christ's story and as Hebrews tells us to keep in mind all those throughout the world, we also do so remembering all who partake of this supper, that we at North Holland are not the exclusive host but that there are sub-hosts, understudies the world over who come to the same table where Christ is host. And we come in communion with the same living Christ, knowing that there needs to be room in our life to meet up with the room that Christ has made for us, that Christ and Christ alone is the true vine in whom, in whom we must abide if we are to bear fruit. And that as we celebrate communion, we celebrate it not just with who you see next to you in line, not just with those who you see, but we celebrate it with the living Christ who also celebrates it the world over with the communion of saints in all different places and all different times. Our communion is more than just a memory game, though it is of remembrance, but our communion is with the living Christ. And finally, we come in hope. On World Communion Sunday, we can look not far and know that the world is not all as it should be. There is pain, there is brokenness, there is suffering. And we come to this table as Christ's guests that we might receive hope, that we might be encouraged by Christ himself who says, take and eat. And that this table, this small table may be a pledge and foretaste, a preview, an appetizer of the greater meal and the greater vision when World Communion Sunday would one day be celebrated at Christ's return at one really big table 
with every people and tribe and language and nation and tongue, with every custom and culture and color of people in the world gathered together with one hope, which is Christ our Lord. Amen.